at Mitchell and Webb Sound, starring David Mitchell and Robert Webb, with Olivia Coleman and James Barkman. Ka-ching! I mean, come in. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. And you brought your wallet, have you? Well, yes. Great. It's Mr. Johnson and Fido, is that right? That's right. I didn't think any dog was ever called Fido in real life. Well, it helps to clarify in situations where he can't be seen. <laughs> you should meet my cat, Tiddles. Don't call me Tiddles, we've only just met. Oh, sorry. But you are the... I'm the vet, yes. Take a seat. Um, it's covered in money. Oh, just sweep that off. I'll count it later. <laughs> so, what seems to be the invoice uh, problem? Well, it's Fido. He, he's gone a little lame in his left foreleg and he's off his food. Pop him on the table then. Let's have a look. There we go. Good boy. Good boy. Thanks. Let's have a look at this foot then. Left foreleg, you say. Yes, I see what's going on here. Okay. Are you familiar with one of these? It's a chip and pin machine. Good, good, good. <laughs> I can uh, tell you've been to the vets before. Just uh, pop your card details in there, would you? Now, Fido. There. Done. That was a bit of a thorn in there. Good news, that's not a nail or a screw, no nasty infections. And if you would just key in £150 for me and then press enter. £150? That seems a little steep. Is there a problem? Well, all right. It's asking if you want to leave a tip. <laughs> Seriously? I think it's probably a good idea. We wouldn't want that thorn finding its way back in. Oh, for goodness sake. Now, while we're here, is there anything else I can help Fido with? Uh, it's just, if we sort it now, you can pay for it now, and it'll save you another trip, and you can pay for it now. No, thank you, he's fine. Mm, I'm not so sure. You see what he's doing with his tail? There's every chance that could be tail Parkinson's. <laughs> and his nose looks worryingly wet. Isn't that a good thing? Oh, yeah, we all want sopping wet noses. That's obviously a sign of good health. No, I think he's going to need an operation. Four operations. What? Well, there's the tail and the nose. Tell me, does he ever have a heartbreakingly loyal and trusting expression in his eyes? Well, of course he... Yes, that's the first symptom. And look at the way he can't even keep his tongue in his mouth like a normal person. <laughs> oh, this is ridiculous. You're just making things up now. Am I? Are you prepared to take that chance? Seven years of studying, that's as long as you spent at secondary school. Remember secondary school? Well, imagine if every day, instead, you'd learnt about another awful thing that can kill a dog. <laughs> kill your dog. Maybe I'm making it up, maybe I did just charge you the price of a Michelin-starred meal for wiping your dog's foot, or maybe, just maybe, I'm the only person standing between Fido and a slow, painful death. And it would take you seven years to know for sure. That's a disgrace. Seven years. Seven years of hearing about disgusting animal diseases. Seven years of anal glands and membrane sacs. Seven years of septic donkey penises and literal dog breath. Seven years. You get less than that for killing someone. You got a lot less than that for killing a dog. All right. All right. So what's the treatment? Well, there's the operations, as I said. Or if you wanted to go the non-surgical route, there is another option. But I warn you, it'll cost. And that is? Therapy. Basically, you pay me to sit here until he tells me what's wrong. Hello, and welcome to coverage of couples where the husband wants to live in one country and the wife wants to live in another country who have perversely decided not to get a divorce, arguing about which country to live in. So, Steve, where would you like to live? The Bahamas. Trisha. Dorking. So, Steve, Trisha. 
I've shown you three houses in the Bahamas, three houses in Dorking, and the mystery house which was in Dorking. Where do you want to live? I want to live in the Bahamas. I want to live in the mystery house. See, Steve, Trish is willing to compromise. The mystery house is in Dorking. Good point. So, crunch time. Are you going to buy any of the seven houses I've spent the last month finding and showing you? No. no. And since this programme was made, Steve and Trisha have put in an offer on a house near Dorking. <laughs> Would you like to try anything on, sir? No, 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 I'm fine, thank you. Just browsing. Uh, I don't think I need anything, actually. Mm. Is this your first visit to Extra Large, sir? Yes, well, I've, I've walked past a few times. But... I know it can be difficult taking that first step. Well, I'm, I'm not going to be a regular customer or anything. I, I just need some new suit trousers for a wedding. Of course, of course. I understand completely. It's, um... It's just been a funny few months. I had a big Christmas, uh, and then the New Year's resolutions didn't really get off the ground. And, and in February, my wife and I separated. I'm very sorry to hear that. Food can be a great comfort, can't it? Plus, last week, my eldest gave me this Harrods food hall voucher for my birthday, and, well... The apple that burst the barrel, so to speak. Try these. Th th this is just a temporary blip. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I very much doubt I'll be seeing Sir again. Can I interest you in a store card? No, no, no. As I said, it's a strictly one-time-only thing. Of course, of course. You know, Sir, you can relax now. It's all right. You've crossed the boundary. Nobody minds anymore. 42, 44, 46-inch waist. What's the difference? You're with us now. Thank you. You've been so kind. I'll just get the paperwork for the loyalty card while Sir cheers himself up with some pies from the buffet. <laughs> oh, watch out for that massive lorry, darling. Oh, we're dead. Oops, sorry, darling. Oh, that's all right. Teach me to take you for your first driving lesson on the M6 in the fog. Oh, what a shame. Dead. Now I'll never finish that text. Yeah, I probably also should have told you to stop texting, sweetheart. But hey, Hope, you live and learn. Or die and learn. <laughs> More like... <laughs> So this is heaven, is it? Nice. Better than heaven, Poppet. This is the digital human cloud. Oh, that's what that standing order on the joint account was. I thought it was something to do with you and pornography. <laughs> no, I wouldn't use the jointy for that, darling. That would be uncouth. No, <laughs> the standing order was with Virgin Media, so that when we die, our souls are uploaded to the digital human cloud and we can carry on living digitally forever. Oh, good old Virgin Media. Although I suppose it's available on other well-known ISPs, such as TalkTalk, Talk, Sky Broadband or BT. No, it's just Virgin Media. <laughs> ah, here comes the man. Hello, just died. Afraid so, went a bit wonky on the M6. Botheration. Oh, well, lucky you had your brains digitally mapped and uploaded here to the cloud. Yes, I've already explained that. Good. And you remember to renew your contract last April, yes? Uh... Joke! It auto-renews. I've got your details here. Oh, that's a relief. Yes, you had us going there. For a minute, I thought we'd been uploaded into some laboured satire about the foibles of modern life. <laughs> no, everything's working fine, mainly because we at Virgin Media really know what we're doing. Although, obviously, the same would be said of Talk Talk Sky or BT. If you say so. Right, if you'll just step this way, we'll get you loaded into the giant pig machine. Pardon? The giant pig... Oh, that's a point. People never know about this part. There actually was a slight problem with the software. Problem? Yes, it turns out that there was a slight eccentricity in the software which can't be repaired and which means that A, you do get to spend eternity here in the digital human cloud, but B, it's an eternity of being churned around in the guts of a giant pig machine. <laughs> oh, right. Is that nice? Not very, no. 
But the good news is, as soon as humanity destroys itself, the servers on Earth will crash, the giant pig machine will produce a giant pig, which will then explode, and it'll all be over. Right. This way... Golly! The giant pig machine really is quite terrifying, isn't it? Yes, it is a bit. I suppose this demonstrates that the idea of an afterlife, itself a man-made construct, is likely to be only as eternal as humanity itself and prone to all its conceited flaws. Well, you're the vicar. In you go. <laughs> Welcome to Gardener's Question Time. Today we're coming from the Bicton Park Botanical Gardens in Exeter. Let's hear it for my expert panel, Kitty Spanks, Murray Wong and Tim Piddlesticks. Who, who has our first garden-related question, please? Uh, Sandy Hawthorne from Tiverton. Have you ever done a poo in the garden? <laughs> Have you ever done a poo in the garden, Murray? No, no, I haven't. What about you, Kitty? Yes, once when I was locked out of my house. What a hilarious story. Tim, um, have you ever done a poo in the garden? Um, sorry, I, I thought the questions were supposed to be about gardens. This is about gardens. <laughs> have you ever done a poo in one? I'd rather not answer that. OK, but that's not really in the spirit of things. Um, next question, please. Uh, Mike Shelton from Longdown. If you had to kill someone in a garden, who would it be? <laughs> and how? Great question. Kitty? It would have to be One Direction. Probably shoot them with a crossbow. Sounds effective. Murray? Um, Duncan Bannatyne, trebuchet. A classic. Um, Tim? S sorry, I'm a botany expert. How, how is this question relevant? Because it's in a garden. Yeah, it, it is, but I, I wasn't really expecting to have to answer questions about where I've done a poo or who I want to kill. But, but you have come here to answer questions about gardens, haven't you? Well... Yes. Good. Then next time, answer the pig in question. <laughs> Who's next? Barbara. Lovely Barbara. Um, Barbara Jones from Woodbury. I've got a white residue on the leaves of a clematis which I'm growing in the kitchen. Thank you. OK, so this is no, a common... No, don't answer that. Her question's got nothing to do with gardens. <laughs> this is gardener's question time. We answer questions about gardens. Barbara, you stupid cow. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh... <laughs> sorry. What if I put the pot in the garden? We're not dealing in hypotheticals. We're dealing with gardens. Right, next question. And this time, Tim, you better bloody answer. Kevin Brown. Hi. Would the panel rather fart popcorn in a garden or have accordions for legs in a garden? That's more like it. Um, Tim? Fart popcorn in a garden. Finally. Morning, everybody. We're going to start birthing class today with the dad saying a little bit about how they're feeling. Graham, would you like to go first? Sure. Well, I'm a bit nervous, but uh, I'm really looking forward to meeting our baby, getting to know them, and always being there for them, no matter what. Thank you, Graham. That was lovely. Graham, 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 the star pupil, making all the women a bit teary with his little speech. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Sure, I got a lump in my throat too, and sure, I felt a little pang of attraction, but that's only because he's built like a mountain, yet he speaks like a poet. Graham, the ideal man, my ideal man. <laughs> Mike, are you OK? Sorry, yes, I'm obviously a little emotional about becoming a dad. I, I don't know where that came from. Do you want to stop gripping onto Graham and maybe sit back down? Of course, yes, sorry. OK, moving on. Who'd like to wear the empathy tummy during today's session? I will. Yes, Graham, you haven't worn it yet, have you? Not yet. 
Oh, here comes Golden Boy, gonna make us all fall in love with you because you got so much empathy, are you, Graham? Gonna look all strong yet vulnerable, standing there with your baby bump. Sure, yeah, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that image. <laughs> Do you want to put your trousers back on and sit down, then? <laughs> I'm so sorry, this is so embarrassing. It's fine. He understands, don't you, Graham? It's an intense thing we're going through. It's really intense. Yeah. We're, we're going to stage a mock birth now. Graham, you've got the tummy on. Are you OK to help? I'd love to. If you just want to lie down here and spread your legs. Now, when the baby's coming out, like this... Oh, the baby's only coming out of him. He's only giving birth despite the fact he's a man. Only Graham could do this. Only Graham could produce a perfect baby out of a vagina which he doesn't have. Mike, do you want to hand over the birthing doll which you're cradling to your chest? He's got your eyes, Graham. <laughs> Hello and welcome to coverage of people who derive their income from finding the lost relatives of other people who died in testate, finding the lost relatives of people who died in testate. John, someone's died. Yes, an old lady. Did she leave a will? No. And was she much loved? Well, you can say so on the programme, but patently not because she died alone. What a lovely old lady she sounds. She was obviously much loved. Well, we'll be catching up with John when he's found one of her relatives, which is now. Hello, Mrs Wilson. Your dad had an aunt whose cousin's died. Is there any money? Yes, have 1,300 quid. Brilliant, Slash. I'm so sad we lost touch. <laughs> what a touching human story. In a minute, an old man has died and there are three people who didn't know him we're going to give his money to who will also pretend they're sorry they lost touch now that it is definitely safe to do so. Bill, you live next door to the old man who's died. Was he a nice man? No, he was a racist. That's great. <laughs> Was he in the war? Presumably. And we'll be looking at the war in the history bit, which is now. Many years ago there was a war. Here's a black and white photo of some women laughing in a factory. Now let's talk to a cheap historian. The dead old man will not have fought in the war. He was only six when it started. What a fascinating story. Have a look on our website for a list of names of dead people who you can fantasise you're related to in a way that might slightly improve your life without your having to do anything. Tune in next time for the same programme but with different names and amounts. And by next time I mean tomorrow unless today's Friday. It is impossible to know from here I am tired. <laughs> Clear! Fire her up! Tell Barry to send up another skip. Len? Yes, mate? Do you ever think this is wrong? What? Burning children's books? Yeah. Burning children's books. Does it seem wrong to you? Never really given it any thought. These books can't just sit in the warehouse. Yeah. They're taking up space that's needed for food and groceries and all that. It's a supermarket, not a bleeding library, isn't it? I suppose so. It just seems a bit weird. Look, the books for schools thing is a lovely little scheme. Get the kiddies reading and that. Right. So why don't the supermarkets just, you know, give the books to the schools? Because you've got to get the customer involved, haven't you? Have you? Yeah, that's the scheme. The customer makes a special effort to collect the tokens and a special effort to keep them safe and a special effort to take them to the school and then the school makes a special effort to send them to us and then we give them the books. Couldn't be simpler. Yeah, but if they don't collect the tokens or forget to take them to the school or... Then we have to burn the books. <laughs> Otherwise, where's the incentive? Does that, does that not seem, you know, just a little bit completely mental to you. I'm just shoveling unclaimed children's books into an enormous furnace, Chris. I don't make the rules. But look at this book. Look at the pictures. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. I bet the person who wrote that was thinking, I hope this book might make learning the wonderful adventure it was for me. I bet 
What never crossed their mind was that in order to persuade soft-minded idiots that a rapacious profit-driven company gives a fig about learning, a maddening system of tedious and pointless errands might be put between their book and the children who could benefit from it. Nah. But, I mean, we've got fans. We're a supermarket. We, we've got loads of fans. Couldn't we just take all the customers' undignified toing and froing with a fistful of little free adverts, take all of that as read, and donate these books to schools anyway? Nah. People like to get involved. It's like sitting in beans or doing a marathon, isn't it? Bide your backs. 2,000 very angry caterpillars coming through. Oh, the humanity. Next letter is to Dr. Clark. Dear Dr. Clark, regarding Mrs. Connie Connacomma. Connacomma? That's right. We recently admitted Mrs. Connacomma, who had fallen into a coma comma, which was due to a hematoma comma following a fall full stop. The underlying problem... Would you mind underlining the underlying problem, James? No problem. The underlying problem is that she was putting up shelves using metal devices. Brackets? Yes, James. Metal devices... <laughs> Metal devices, brackets, brackets, close brackets, when she sustained her fall full stop. She damaged the following organs, colon, ascending colon, semicolon, descending colon, semicolon, appendix. You want this in the appendix? There is no appendix, James. We removed it with a combination of a laparoscopy and a colonoscopy, and I, apostrophe, mm, very pleased to say this was successfully completed. Completed? Nearly, James. Regarding the coma, comma, we suspect it was a mini stroke, 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 as a result of her having her head indented. Indent, indented, please, James. Okay. We also note her cerebellar tremor comma, possible rubella, comma, fractured left patella. Stop! Yes, full stop. Thank you, James. Yours sincerely, Dr Nigel Green. Good morning. Welcome to Death Letas, where we like to give everyone a happy ending. In a sex way. No, not in a sex way. <laughs> Mr Death Letas will see you. Ah, good morning, Mr Pendleton, Mrs Pendleton. Morning. morning. And which one of you will we be seeing off? Oh, that'll be my husband. He's absolutely sick of it all. Had it up to here. <laughs> See what I mean? Death's sweet kiss can't come soon enough. He's like that all the time. Yeah, sorry, love. I'll be glad to have him out of the house. <laughs> well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Death Litas. How was your journey over the Alps? Oh, fine. A lot of ups and downs. Oh, yes, very mountainous. No, no, I meant the process by which one makes the decision to use our services. But you are right, of course, that phrase does describe the local terrain. Toblerone? Thank you. Yes, a lot of ups and downs. Actually, reaching the decision has been pretty easy. I was describing the triangular ridge sweetmeat. Delicious. Would you mind filling us in, Doctor? <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Sorry. Would you mind filling us in as to how all of this works? Yes, of course. There are two methods. With method one, you get your own room with a view of the beautiful Alps or for $200 more of the car park. Why is that more? Well, a lot of our clients don't like to be reminded of the majestic beauty of Gaia as they... Commit assisted suicide. Quit while they're ahead. That's, <laughs> that's how I like to think of it. And yes, then, we administer a painless lethal injection. And what's the second method? Well, some of our clients like us to inject a little humour before the pento barbital, and for them, we offer the murder mystery weekend. Oh! <laughs> oh, I've done one of those. I was Lotta Banghard, the scheming prostitute and jewel thief. It looked like I did it, but I didn't. <laughs> I mean, you can see why I, you know, why I've decided to... Well, hear us out. A lot of people love those murder mysteries, but it's always a bit of a letdown because there are no victims, no real dead bodies. Here at Deathlitas, problem solved. A few families of future bereaved get together for a boozy and mysterious weekend where the body count and fun keep on mounting. <laughs> Care of everyone's world-weary loved ones. Sounds like it puts a positive spin on everything. Yes, we offer three packages, as you can see. A stabbing at spooky towers, murder on the silver scream, 
and death on the QE dead. <laughs> we used to do one set in Chicago in the 30s, but absolutely no one could do the accents, which just left us all wanting to kill ourselves. <laughs> well, what do you think about that then, Barry? A stabbing at Spooky Towers sounds atmospheric. I could play Sapphire Shoots a Lot or the Duchess of Heart Attack, the penniless dowager. Mm, I'm not sure. Um, can you tell me more about the car park? Oh, don't be such a bloody misery, Barry. First you want to kill yourself, now you won't even make it fun. Well, I don't know. It, it all feels a bit jolly, a bit like joining in, when all I really want to do is opt out. But don't you see that's exactly why it's so perfect? Your very act of joining in is also the ultimate opt-out. As soon as everyone's had their starter, there you are, stiff as a board, brimming with lethal chemicals, with a crappy fake dagger velcroed to the front of a joke shop costume. <laughs> Killed by parlour game, brought low by the very inane societal interaction that rendered you unable to endure another waking moment. In its deeply shaming triviality lies a greater dignity. How could anyone bear to remain in a world where such a thing could happen? Brilliant. Sign me up. <laughs> Oh, Lucy, would you mind getting me some more laminate pouches from the stationery cupboard? They're, they're right at the back. Uh, I want the ones that are really right at the back. OK. Strange. This is the largest stationery cupboard I've ever seen. I'll leave the door open. It's very foolish to shut oneself into any stationery cupboard. Oh, thanks, Brian. What is this place? These aren't laminate pouches. This is snow. She has come. <laughs> the prophecy is true. At last she is here. The chosen one is among us. I've been expecting this. Shh. She speaks. The chosen one speaks. Yes. Where am I? You are where you always were. Where you always should have been. Where you have never been before. That's what I thought. Show her the scroll. The sacred scrolls. Show her what is written. Why do these smell of coffee? Shh. What do these say? It looks like gobbledygook. It is goblindygook. It is our language. What they said. Sit down on the swivelling throne of destiny. Rotate to hear your fate. Bit much. <laughs> What must I do? What's in the sacred scrolls? You have been chosen for a task only you can complete. You must leave your old life behind you and save our world from chaos. I could have said a bit of that. <laughs> I knew it. I always knew I was destined for something more, something better than my dreary old life, and I'm finally here. Yes! So what must I do? What is my destiny? You must take the sacred scrolls. Yes. And do filing of them in the sacred cabinet. And do data entry of them in the holy spreadsheet. And do checking that all entries are correct. It is not boring. It is not boring. You have been chosen. It is not boring. Then you must photocopy, scan and box up archive reports from year ending 2007 to 2011 and then put them in the basement. Dungeon. Dungeon. <laughs> it is not boring. How long must I do this for? Your quest will be long and arduous. You will do this sacred toil from nine in the morning till five in the afternoon. Then you may go to your normal house, but then come back the next day unless it is the weekend. So this sounds like where I already work, but in a, in a more junior position. No! Ch chosen one! Special task! It is slightly less money. Right. Right, OK, so... 
am I still working for the same company, but I'm being demoted? No! No! Yes! <laughs> Is this the only way you could break the news to me? You can be quite difficult. <laughs> Hello and welcome to coverage of people sitting in a studio while couples have sex in a part of the studio you can't see. <laughs> Steve and Trisha, you've just had sex over there. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. What was it like? Fine, thanks. Trisha? Yeah, fine. Was it different from the sex you normally have? Yes, because it was in a studio. Was that the only difference? Yes. Why do you have sex with each other? Well, on this occasion, it's because we were in a studio and it was part of the programme we volunteered to be on. Is that the usual reason you have sex? <laughs> Obviously not. What's the usual reason? Don't know. Feel like it. Would you like to talk about the sex you had? I expected that I would, but now it comes to it, I'm embarrassed. Ooh, you said comes. That is not the, to <laughs> that is not the tone of this serious programme. We're treading a fine line between the excruciating and the dull. After the break, a gay couple will be having sex in the studio, which will be a bit different, but basically the same. Well, I think that's everyone. I'm assuming we're not going to invite Bertie Worcester. Oh, lovely Bertie, why not? He's such a load of fun. Well, he is, but you never get just Bertie, do you? Don't you? No, he never goes anywhere without his PA. Oh, God, you're right, his creepy PA. He really does think he's it. He's always so obsequious with his sir this and his very good that, but actually he makes it patently obvious that he looks down on Bertie and all his friends. Yeah, he's got no sense of boundaries either. I mean, I was having a little girlfriend trouble. Yes, you were, I remember. Yeah, and rather than just let me sort it out, Bertie's PA devised this absolutely Byzantine scheme <laughs> involving Bertie throwing a poodle into a lake and me rescuing it at the precise moment Magnesia was being proposed to by that rich but vulgar American. Magnesia? Yeah, she's named after a metal. Anyway, the whole thing made Bertie look like an idiot, completely ruined my spats, and as it turned out, utterly, utterly, utterly drowned the dog. I mean, all Magnesia and I needed... Magnesia? Yes, like the metal. All the two of us really needed was a quick chat to clear the air, but Bertie's PA knew better. I know. I think he's got some sort of hold over Bertie, because all of his plans make Bertie look like a total ass, and yet Bertie's always going on about how wonderful he is. Do you think he's blackmailing him? No, I think he's poisoning him. Apparently, every time Bertie feels the slightest bit hungover, his PA comes in and forces him to drink some unknown liquid. Well, Bertie says it always does the trick. Yes, well, that's because it's alcohol. He gives him more alcohol. <laughs> Bertie's PA is keeping Bertie addicted to alcohol, so he'll go along with a series of weird, humiliating schemes, which almost always seem to involve someone or something falling in a lake. <laughs> I tried to talk to Bertie about this. I said to him, Bertie, you'd be amazed how rarely, in most people's lives, anyone or anything falls into a lake in order to change a girl's mind over who she's engaged to. I said, it's just not how the world turns. It's much more guardian soulmates these days. And what did Bertie say to that? Well, he just said something about how his PA eats a lot of fish, which is either meaningless or a very, very dirty reference. <laughs> well, that's settled then. No Bertie unless he leaves that PA at home. I don't know why Bertie needs a PA. He doesn't seem to have a job. Oh, he does have a job. Really? What? Well, it's odd, this. He writes down everything his PA does. Does he? <laughs> and what happens to that? I don't know. I assume it's a blog or something. He's got a PA to help him write his blog about his PA. That's a bit up itself, isn't it? Well, that's the Facebook generation for you. Isn't it? Isn't it? That 
Mitchell & Webb Sound starred David Mitchell and Robert Webb, Olivia Coleman and James Barkman. It was written by David Mitchell, Robert Webb, Adam Kay, Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong, Jonathan Dryden-Taylor, The Dawson Brothers, Toby Davis, Tom Golding, Joel Morris and Jason Hazley. It was produced by Gareth Edwards.